My name is Faris Al-Khalil, and I'm with ITIQ Tech Recruiters. We're happy to support BIV's CTO and CIO awards for 2020. We are a national recruiting company specializing in information technology recruitment. We provide IT professionals on a contract or permanent basis to our clients. Give us a call if you're looking to build a team across Canada or hire remotely. Thank you. Welcome to BIV Today. We are a daily business news show from BIV, and I am reporter Tyler Orton. And this week, Business in Vancouver is unveiling its 2020 BC Chief Technology Officer slash Chief Information Officer Award winners. And with us is our CIO of the year, CJ Ritchie. She's Chief Information Officer for the government of British Columbia, some very cool things that you're up to. Uh, if I may say so myself, I was, I was one of the judges on the panel, and so I, I was very impressed by what you've been doing since joining in 2018. But first of all, CJ, congratulations on the win. Thank you, Tyler. Um, and thank you for having me this morning. Uh, this is a great opportunity to talk about some of the things that we're doing in BC and some of the work that we've done. So, So thank you for that. Well, it's interesting for me, just looking at it, you came in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 2018, and I'm curious, what was maybe one of your top priorities as you assumed the role of Chief Information Officer? Well, as I assumed the role in 2018, it was January 2018, actually, um, and this is a job actually in the BC government that I've been um, interested in for a very long time. I, people who know me know that I quite often say things like I've been auditioning for this job for about 10 years. Um, working in different parts of the government in IMIT, but never had the opportunity before uh, taking this job to really, um, you know, take it on. Um, and so one of the one of the priorities for me was really to take an all of government approach um, to the the transformation of government. I have had um, a bit of a mantra for a long time about wanting to leave the public service better than I found it. And um, I've been a believer in digital government and digital transformation for a long time and um, really saw an opportunity with taking this role to be able to push the envelope for BC on um, the work we do inside of government and being a, a bit more of a modern government and delivering services in a modern way. So that was one of my number one priorities. Yeah, you bring up the digital aspect, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about establishing that digital framework and the thought sure. process that had to go into that, and what you ultimately want to come out of this as you guys pursue things. Sure. Uh, so uh, we first launched the digital framework uh, a little over a year ago in May of 2019, um, and so one of the the priorities coming in was really to develop a framework that would government could use as a blueprint for its transformation. And so the digital framework and the premise of it is really that we um, create an environment inside government where um, innovation and um, modernizing and digitizing um, becomes easier. So if you look over the last 10 years, there's been lots of um, small places where uh, ministries and program areas have done a digital transformation for themselves. And what we found when we interviewed them and dug into those is that many times that happened despite the system. They weren't, policy wasn't working for them. Uh, their HR model worked against them. 
um, the way in which we invest in IT and government wasn't really aligned to the work that they were doing, but they did it anyway. And despite the system, they were able to um, do some very innovative things. And so in the digital framework, we wanted to change the, the levers that we have that support that work so that that type of innovation became much more um, ubiquitous across the system and make sure that we had policy and HR models and uh, investment that lined up behind that type of work. And the, the premise of the digital framework is if you make it easier to work in that way, uh, government will benefit um, and the digital transformation can just begin to blossom. Is it almost kind of taking a holistic approach to things versus, you know, some piecemeal innovations that are going on in, say, different departments? Uh, I would say yes, but it's also uh, about, you know, people tend to think about digital in terms of technology, that it's a technology plan or a technology transformation. It really isn't. Digital is just about being modern and using modern tools to deliver modern services in a way that citizens expect to receive them. And so to do that, you need much more than technology people. You don't just need the technology people, you need policy people, you need business people, and you need to think about and design services with the end user in mind. And so really thinking through the problem that you're trying to solve and ensuring that the services that citizens will receive will be reflective of the, the modern digital economy that we all operate in and uh, make sure that you're meeting citizens where they are. Well, I, I'm curious, what would be one of those tools or, or just one of those options that you guys have been developing that you think is kind of cool? To, it's going to be you know, very useful to all parties involved. Um, so there's a there's a few. Um, so, you know, in light of the COVID pandemic, um, as you might imagine, there was a huge um, push to get things online and to get things, um, you know, more virtual. And we had a workforce in the public service that, you know, we don't we don't tend in the public service to work remotely very often, although you see that in the private sector and in other places. Uh, the pandemic really showed that we had an opportunity to do that differently and we needed to allow people to keep working. Um, but in the early days of the pandemic, that, that often meant working remotely. And so the largest number of people we had ever had working remotely in the public service for the government of BC was about 8,000. We had a snow day um, that meant a lot of people were trapped at home. And so 8,000 out of about 30,000 were working at home. Over the initial four weeks that everybody was home in May, we did a number of network upgrades that allowed on a regular daily basis, 26,000 public servants to be working remotely. And so that was something that was from an infrastructure perspective, um, very quickly taken care of so that we could keep the productivity of the public service high. Well, it's kind of fascinating how you have to be able to navigate and be agile through all this time. How has yeah. kind of maybe the learning experience been for you just in the last six months as, you know, all organizations across the globe have had to really figure out things in a whole new, you know, focus and, and lens at this point? Yeah, so I would say where we see successes, what you see behind that often, well, no, what you see behind that always is people. Um, and so it, it's not just about taking cool, new, shiny tools and implementing them. It's really about, um, you know, bringing teams of people together that bring a, a whole a holistic perspective together. So policy, business, technology together, where you can really see movement quickly. And so, you know, when we had to mobilize and get a travel screening app 
in place. Um, we were able to do that in a number of days um, so that Canadians returning home, um, there was a travel screening app that supported um, the, the public servants that were in the airports to meet those people and ensure they had isolation plans in place. Um, it's really always about the partnership. So in that case, it was a partnership between Service BC, some of the technology people from my office, um, as well as um, you know public servants on the ground, um, to really make sure that the people returning home were able to do that and have isolation plans in place, and there was people to follow up with them, um, and to make sure that we were having Canadians return home without causing a public health issue, um, and making sure people were able to do that with with safety. Well, I'll uh, probably reveal some of my own uh, biases here, but uh, as a business reporter, I'm always looking for new tools that's going to help it uh, for my job, make it easier for me to do my job. Uh, one thing that I use all the time, though, is OrgBook. And um, maybe <laughs> if you could kind of um, yes. explain to people what that is and how it actually you know, capitalizes on using sure. blockchain technology, too. Sure. Um, so BC has a services card, and the services card is a combined driver's license health card. But it's also um, a, a secure way to identify yourself digitally. And so we have in BC a, a digital identity uh, architecture in that services card. Now, for most places, they think about digital ID from an individual perspective in terms of how you identify yourself and replicate your in-person transactions, but do that online in a very secure way. Um, BC has thought about that from a business perspective. Orgbook allows businesses to replicate their transactions between themselves and other businesses or themselves and government in a very secure way using blockchain technology and some of the um, digital ID components uh, that are resident in our services card and the, um, the corporate registries. And so we now have about 4 million businesses registered in, in corporate registries and in Orgbook. Um, and Orgbook allows them to securely interact online. It's incredibly time efficient. So if you're a small business owner looking to start up a bakery, rather than running around in real life, um, getting health certificates and your corporate registration and opening a business bank account and bringing papers all over the place, you can now do that securely online. Um, and that's, that's been a real game changer in terms of how BC is approaching digital ID and digital identity. Yeah, and just jumping off that, I've been using the service card myself uh, just to access my CRA account. Like that's been kind of a, yes. a change for me. So it's just kind of cool stuff that's going on. And maybe why don't we go backwards a little bit, but you know, you've been in public service a long time and maybe tell me a little bit of what drew you in and we'll talk about your career going forward. Sure. Uh, so I started in the public service in 1995, um, but in a very different place. I didn't start in the land of technology. Um, I started as a child protection investigator, actually, and spent about six years on the front line in child protective work. Uh, and then took a job um, in headquarters being a policy analyst initially, um, and then started getting more into project management. And I was a pretty good project manager, so I bounced around quite a lot. Um, and one stepping stone led to another. I would get on one IT project that was a social sector project and then another and another and another. And over the course of a 23-year career, and um, you know, I left a couple of times and went to the private sector as a consultant and came back. 
Um, but I was always drawn back to the public service. And I remember um, having an interview once with who was then the head of the public service. And she asked why I was coming back from the private sector. And I said, you know, in the private sector, you, you get fabulous opportunities and you get, you know, a nice, a nice salary, uh, but you're filling the potholes on Main Street. Um, and at this point in my career, I want to build the Sea to Sky Highway. And so in the public sector and in public service, you get a scope of responsibility that just doesn't exist really in the private sector um, for many people. And you get the opportunity to um, be mobile. And so I, in my career, I've worked in the premier's office. I've worked in the children and family development ministry. I've worked in the jobs ministry and in health um, and in citizen services. I, I've done a couple of tours. And so you have the opportunity to, to be mobile and reinvent yourself. And so you might start in the public service fighting wildfires um, and then become a policy analyst and then become focused on health and be a project manager. And I, I am very aware I could not replicate my career in any fashion um, in the way I've had in the in private sector. Um, what I've done in my career was would only be possible in public sector. And I've been very, very fortunate um, to have really good opportunities to work on, you know, you know, new and interesting and innovative things. Um, and I have a scope of responsibility in this particular job that I don't think I could replicate anywhere. Well, what was the journey like going into something that's so technology focused, definitely compared with where you started your career, which wasn't necessarily, you know, that's, that was not kind of the focus. Like what was kind of the impetus for getting into where you are right now? Well, I think it was just being drawn into IT projects initially. Um, And, you know, initially those were IT projects that were focused on the social sector. And then, you know, the next opportunity would be um, about, uh, looking at uh, the future of work and what IT could could do for um, the public sector as a whole. So that was about 2008. I went to the premier's office working on the future of work initiative, which was really about, you know, with citizens expectations rising and available technology, what could we do different from a service delivery perspective? Um, and each step that I took in my career was a little bit more in the direction of IT, even though I didn't necessarily know, like I didn't plot that out and say, this is where I want to end up in 10 years. Um, but I was drawn into IMIT because it really is foundational and it affects everything. If you think of what the role of citizen services is in my ministry, we provide the technology solutions and infrastructure and policy and strategy that supports all of the transformation dreams of government in health, in education, anybody in government who wants to become more modern and have more modern services and deliver services differently for citizens needs the help of my ministry and my office in order to do that. And so we get a really nice all of government perspective um, and are able to influence the trajectory of future service delivery uh, for the entire government and the entire province, what's cooler than that? Well, okay. I, I, it might be like picking favorite children, but is there a particular <laughs> career highlight or, or just something that just jumps out to you as something that you're just really proud of that you're able to accomplish uh, throughout the last 25 years? So I, I don't know that there's a favorite accomplishment per se, uh, but when I think about sort of the things I'm most proud of, Um, I'd say one of the things I'm most proud of is that the people you develop along the way. I mean, in the role I'm in now, I get to be sort of the conductor of this really great high-performing orchestra, right? 
Um, and so if I have to pick one accomplishment, I'd say, you know, there are, there are people I've worked with through a number of iterations in my career. They come and work with me in, you know, one ministry, and then I'm on to a next job and they come back and they work for me again. And to me, that's a sign of success when the people you invest in and develop and spend time with are willing to come back and work for you in another iteration of your career. It's a sign you're doing something right. I'll leave you off with this. And it's something that I think a lot of people are pondering right now, no matter what career they're in though. But do you think that the opportunity uh, presented by the pandemic to accelerate a lot of these trends that we're witnessing right now, do you think that is something that can be seized on easily? Do you think it's going to require um, some uh, oiling of the gears to a certain degree to get everybody on board? What, what do you anticipate this pandemic really doing with regards to a lot of this digital adoption? Well, I mean, there is a bit of a joke in the IT community right now, like what's driving your digital transformation? Is it the CTO, the CIO or COVID? Um, and so there is a bit of that, right? With the pandemic and people working, more people working remotely, more small businesses feeling the need to get themselves online. There is a huge opportunity for digital transformation. And the change we've seen in the last six months is two years worth of work. Um, just the, the network upgrades alone that were done to support remote work, um, some of the ministerial orders and the legislative amendments that have been put in that support um, the work that we're doing, the speed which with, with which we're executing, um, things like you know, standing up the COVID-19 virtual assistant chatbot for the health line. So in the early days of the pandemic, everybody was calling the health line, trying to get information on COVID and symptoms and cases, and uh, they were overwhelmed. So we put in a chatbot to assist on the, the um, health call center. Um, and there's been hundreds of thousands of calls to the chatbot. And we, we, on a regular basis, are tracking what questions are being asked so that we have an idea of, you know, what are the the top of mind issues for citizens. Um, just the, the very speed at which we're putting things um, out in the world and, and implementing um, is really driving our digital transformation in a way I, I could have only dreamed of two years ago. Well, it's just a very exciting times, even though I, I know it feels very precarious for many people, but it is very interesting for me to watch how technology is really changing things right now. But uh, CJ, once again, I, I want to thank you for joining us. And I also just want to congratulate you on the award. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tyler. That's CJ Ritchie. She is Chief Information Officer for the Government of British Columbia. And we'll be back tomorrow to speak to our Chief Technology Officer of the Year. He's our award winner uh, for the CTO particular award. But for now, I'm Tyler Orton. And you can go to BIV.com for more stories and more interviews there.